But my philosophy is very simple. When you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, say something, do something, get in trouble, good trouble, necessary trouble. Strength of solidarity. The strength of solidarity. Divided is our nation, combating and fighting hatred. The mission, should you choose to accept it, is fighting racist. Psychology is just a space where we run in our simulations. We load you up with the tools, then we plug you into the matrix. So have a seat on the couch, now tell me your situation. Take a look in the mirror, be honest, just who you facing. Marginalized as a youth, what challenges were you faced with? Feeling you wasn't equal, told that you wouldn't make it. Your ideas isn't real, got you constantly trying to fake it. Hiding behind masks in the closet till you can't take it. Getting harder to Someone's choking you on the pavement Unspeakable violence attacking you cause you Asian Accomplices, we accomplish through collaboration Engaging, educating, evaluating one another Liberating the future of all our sisters and brothers Empowering, elevating all communities of color Strength and solidarity The strength and solidarity The Strength and Solidarity podcast is a conversational piece that invites scholars, community activists, leaders, artists, and entrepreneurs to discuss their work as accomplices in cultivating cross-racial ethnic solidarity. Hosted and produced by Pooja Mami Dana and Dr. Dana Demenari, our podcast team also includes our podcast interns, Alexis Rios and Petra Zadroga. The Strength and Solidarity podcast strives to engage, educate, evaluate, and empower communities of color one episode at a time. Welcome back to the Strength and Solidarity podcast, season two. We are so excited to have you on this journey with us for season two. Our guests for season two include professionals beyond the field of psychology, such as musicians, artists, spiritual healers, and such. Our guest for today features Dwayne Jackson, also known as These Lyrics. Dwayne is a single father of a 17-year-old son. He grew up in the Midwest by way of Chicago and Madison, Wisconsin. Early on, he fell in love with both sports and music and grew to be very good in both as a young man. After high school, he joined the army and became a biomedical technician where he had an opportunity to work all over the world. The army presented a completely different set of challenges and ultimately prompted him to look into gaining further education in the field of psychology and management because of the leadership and motivational aspects needed. In 2010, he started a bachelor's program in psychology and then moved on to a master's of business before entering into a marriage and family therapy program. Currently, he works at UCSF Benihoff Children's Hospital, Oakland, as the chief of clinical technologies, where he's responsible for the division of the hospitals that manages biomedical engineering, cybersecurity, asset management, clinical systems, contract management, and project management. 
Additionally, he owns a record label, Shadowed Dream, where he produces and creates music. He is obviously the mastermind behind our podcast, Introductory Song. So let's welcome Dwayne to our first episode of season two. Hi, Dwayne. Thank you so much for being here on our podcast today, Strength and Solidarity with Dr. Donna and I. We're so happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. Hi, Dwayne. Welcome. Thank you. So we're just going to begin and we'd like our listeners to know if you could tell us about your journey and your chosen career path. Yeah, so um, I'm from originally from Chicago and I, um, I kind of started my career out in military service. Um, so after uh, graduating high school, I joined the Army uh, Reserves and there I became a biomedical technician. And, um, and throughout the years, uh, I've kind of grown, um, got more education, and uh, currently I'm the chief of clinical technology at UCSF Children's Hospital Oakland. Um, so um, it's been very interesting um, between that and then going to school for things that are completely outside of the scope of that work, mm-hmm. uh, such as psychology. Um, computer science is kind of in there, but I've also gone to school for business and some other things. So uh, that's kind of where I am now. Nice. How long were you in the military for again? I'm technically I'm still in. Um, ah. I'm in the inactive reserves now these days, so I don't have any uh, obligations uh, that I have to do like um, on a monthly or mm. uh, annual basis. But um, it's been 19 years um, for me now. Wow, it's a long time. Yeah. Kind so, of so you have. So you have many different professions, right? Like a biomedical engineer, you're in the army, and you're also into the music business. So what kind of got you into these many different routes that you're, of professions that you're part of? Yeah, well, I think people, um, they really have like lots of masks. Um, and, you know, as you grow um, and you started to go through different parts of life, um, some of those things become more and more important to you. Um, music is something I started very young. It's like a first love. Um, you know, a lot of times sports is first. And then, you know, as you get older and you start to be able to put together things, um, influences kind of get a hold of you. And um, so I started music probably around 12 um, years old. And uh, and it was just a neighborhood group. Um, we kind of got together as like five of us and we start writing music and, uh, and then from there it kind of became more than a hobby. Um, you know, of course now it's a business, but, um, but I've always done music no matter what job I've had or what school I was going to, the music was always consistent. So that's kind of how, um, how it started for me. So for our listeners who don't know, um, Dwayne is actually the individual who um, created our um, music for our podcast. And it's such a wonderful, you know, kind of introduction to the podcast. 
I'm just wondering, like, what inspired you and what were your inspiration, creative inspirations for um, your music, not just for the podcast, but in general? Um, I think I, I love the creativity that music kind of gives you um, the ability to tap into. Um, you know, you can do a song about one thing one moment and completely something else uh, in a different um, light. And I think a lot of times if you're if you're interested in sort of the uh, sport of music, because uh, we always look at it not just as, you know, music, but as a competitive sport, um, you challenge yourself to be able to sort of tap into a lot of different things in, as it relates to music, uh, whether that's the lyrics themselves um, or the topics that you can touch on or the different genres that you can kind of tap into. And so like um, doing things like the Strength and Solidarity podcast, it's like a, it's not something people normally do. Um, like an introductory song and especially for a psychology podcast. But to me, it's just a challenge and I like to do things like that. And so um, when uh, Pooja asked me, um, and for, for those that don't know, Pooja and I went to school together um, many years ago um, in the MFT program. And so when she asked me to do it, I thought it was an excellent idea um, to have, you know, sort of entrance music. So it was uh it was really cool that 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 she asked me and so I definitely was interested. Cool. So it sounds like you actually you know wear so many hats, different hats. So you were in an MFD program. You're in business. Um, you, you do music, so you have creativity there. Um, I, I'm just really curious too, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. Um. You know, in terms of all of your intersecting identities um, and the hats that you carry and the personas that you have to, you know, weave in throughout these different aspects, different um, uh, per, uh, jobs that you have. Um, what are some of the challenges that you encounter? Um, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, the you got to be able to read the room. Um, and so a lot of times who you're able to portray, um, in those moments, they really matter for sort of the success of whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. So like, for instance, so, you know, as a, my normal day job where I'm a chief of clinical technologies, it's very, um, it's very much a business operations job. Um, I wear a suit and tie to work every day. Um, I, you know, hang out with the C-suite all day and um, and I run, you know, a division of the hospital where, you know, I have, you know, tons of employees and responsibilities. And so the person that I have to be um, in that role is just much different than, you know, a music uh, producer or rapper or um, or anything else. So it's really important to be able to sort of dive into those roles like an actor would. Um, and it's not so much that you're acting. It's just that uh, you have very different people, you know, um, and personalities that, that you can tap into. And I think all of them are a part of you. Um, and so it's just important that you're able to do them all and, and move between them fluidly. Um, and so, um, 
just some of the challenges have, have been uh, constantly having to prove yourself. Um, you know, part of that goes to like your diversity um, and getting through those barriers. But you're constantly trying to prove yourself to the to people, the changing environment around you sometimes makes you have to reprove yourself. And so uh, that's one of the uh, many challenges I've had, especially being in the roles that I've been in. Yeah, I I think just you have many roles and also with, you know, just being a person of color and the ways like your identities intersect in the world of like diversity that I, I really like how you share that it's really knowing your audience and knowing how to communicate sometimes in in the ways that the other person might understand or um, what's expected of you, unfortunately, and fortunately. Yeah, it's important to be able to tap into your emotions and, you know, and, and your beliefs, but also others. Um, so that way you do know how to interact with them um, in a way that makes everybody comfortable um, and gives you ability to complete whatever task you're doing. Um, you know, if you're not able to have that sort of uh, communication and, you know, and that sort of comfortability between the, the, the parties, it's really hard to get things done. So, you know, it's important, uh, it's important skill to have, um, which is one of the reasons I entered in psychology to begin with. Um, I would say that, uh, you know, my first reason for it was I joined the military and a big part of military service is motivation. Um, you got a bunch of guys having to do jobs they don't want to do. Um, so it's very important to be able to understand the mind, understand sort of what motivates them, um, and hopefully get them to sort of have that will or want to do the job um, for you and not just because they're told to do it. Um, and so that's kind of uh, one of the reasons why I actually got into psychology to begin with. Yeah, I know you joined the military like at a very young age and you've also been working at a very young age with kind of experiencing many of these different things, right? Like within your jobs and outside of the community. So how do you keep that motivation going and how do you not burn out and how do you not let it affect you? Um, I think a lot of motivation comes from within. You have to have your own uh, goals and that thing has to continue to move, you know, as you accomplish them. So, you know, I like to take time to reset myself every year um, and look at, you know, things I've accomplished, uh, you know, take the time to pat yourself on the back, um, but also take the time to reevaluate where you're going and really try to find um, you know, the next challenge and the next attainable um, goal that you can reach. And so it always will give you something to strive for in that regard. Um, and I think, you know, I always tell people you, you kind of have to have purpose. Otherwise, life just it kind of will just seem so monotonous. So you need purpose. And um, and so reevaluating your situation um, can help you better understand what your purpose is. Um, or if you have it, um, so that way you know you know how to move next. So I know that you're music producer. Um, is there any particular genre of music that you do? Um, I mean, I personally 
um, write a lot of music. Mm -hmm. So I, I write a lot of hip hop and R&B music. But as far as production is concerned, all genres of music. Um, we do, you know, jazz and uh, funk and all kinds of, uh, you know, alternative music. Like, so we do all kinds of production wise, um, you know, just a vast amount of, 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 of genres of music. Um, but creation wise, for me personally, my music has always been in the space of, of hip hop and R&B. Um, so um, I do a lot of writing and, and, and recording myself. So what inspires you to, you know, write particular lyrics in your songs? Um, I think you can get inspiration really from anywhere. Um, you know, you can turn on the TV and see something you like or don't like. And, you know, you just go in the booth and, you know, you put it on, on, on paper um, and you may hear a song or an instrumental that tells you what to write about. A lot of times that's what happens is like, you know, some of some of my songs are really just created based on listening to a tune and having it take me in a direction, um, you know, that I'm like, okay, this, this sounds good for this particular beat. Um, and so sometimes it's completely random, um, but sometimes, you know, it's very purposeful, like your soundtrack where, you know, she says, hey, I need a song and, you know, we're doing a psychology podcast and I'm like, OK, well, I need some details. I need data. OK, let me get a mission and vision statement. Uh, let me get these details. And then you go in and you kind of really are very purposeful about, about the words that you say in it. Um, and so there's just it come inspiration can come from anywhere. Yeah, very, very purposeful for you. But like for, for, for when we listen to it and when the team listen to it. I I mean, your words have so much power and uh, we also really appreciate how, you know, just in that one minute song, you have spoken about so many different issues that, you know, we continue to deal with. And I think you have such a beautiful way in using your voice in engaging in social justice advocacy, not just, you know, for the music that you produced for our podcast, but even like other songs that I've heard you um, compose and produce and just what you do in the world. Yeah, I think, you know, if you have a responsibility, you know, if you have a voice to use it, um, you know, it's important that you two are doing this, you know, there's somebody that this is going to help. Um, maybe not this episode, but, you know, one of your many episodes, right, that this might help them um, better understand themselves or uh, understand them, their circumstances or understand the people that they're dealing with. So like, so it's important that, you, you know, if you have a voice that you use it. And I think, um, you know, with, with those words, um, you can do a lot if you're purposeful with them. Um, they're very important. Um, and so you just got to be mindful of that. Um, you know, writing songs are easy. Um, it's not it's not as hard as it as it as it looks. It just takes practice like any other um, any other job. Uh, but, you know, there are levels to songwriting. And um, and so, you know, it was important knowing that, you know, for an intro song, you got a minute, you know, that you got to get you got to get all of this content in there. 
So that way, you know, somebody can take something from it. So it's very important that in this particular instance that, you know, we're really purposeful trying to send the message, the message that you guys wanted to portray. It's also very empowering, I have to add, you know, when um, I listen to uh, the clip of the song that you created, it was very empowering. It was so inspiring as well. Um, so even though you mentioned that this episode may not be helpful, like that song was very inspiring, you know, um, and we talked about it in our um, in our task force that, you know, the members of the task force, how it, it really honed in on the message that we wanted to um, convey to yeah. our audience. And this episode is very, very important because you're the first guest of our season two um, series of our podcast. And, you know, as Dr. Donna shared, I think we're very purposeful in each guest that we bring on to our podcast and wanting to just highlight, you know, their voice and the work that they do. So we believe every episode that we have and every guest that we have is important and meaningful, not just to us, but even to what we put out there. And I like how you said, you know, you have to use our voice and, you know, the members of the task force and Dr. Donna and I, and like I've shared this with you offline, Dwayne, is how are we getting in like good trouble, right? Like necessary trouble. And I feel like that's kind of what you've instilled in me from, when I met you when I was very young, when I when we did go to school together and to where we are at this day. Yeah, I agree. Um, and thank you for the for the invite. I'm not like being first. So yeah. <laughs> um so you know, we also kind of want to understand how do, how do you think music can help in you know empowering our community, right? And especially also like the Black community and other minoritized communities. Can you kind of share with our listeners, like what is it that you do and just like in the larger space? Yeah, so I think it's well documented that music is tied to people's emotions. Um, you know, if you just are walking down the street and can you turn your favorite song on, it changes how you feel um about the walk um you know if you're working out you know working out is hard right but there's nothing like your favorite song you know you turn on and to motivate you um you know or when you're just laying in bed at night and you just want to relax yourself you know your favorite song so i think music has a way of penetrating uh people um and providing some sort of emotional connection and if you're responsible with it um you can do more than just touch people's emotion you can teach you can give them something uh you can sort of arm them with knowledge and i think that's one of the things that's kind of cool about being creative in the space is that you know you may be able to say some things that people um uh, would never know about because they're not going to go out and search that data. But if you put it in a song, you know, it may reach them. And so you have an opportunity every time you lay down some music to, to provide information and messaging and, uh, you know, and ultimately 
give them an ability to to understand you as the artist and understand you know the message that you're trying to portray um and that can come in in the form of you know an upbeat you know song or a really slow song it you know it doesn't matter so that's what's cool about music is it it can do that in so many ways and you don't even know what's happening to you yeah i i like how you're speaking to I mean, if you really just think about it, like music is also very universal, right? It it doesn't matter like what race, ethnicity, culture, like diversity you might identify with, but there is that universality that exists within music and amongst many different cultures. And um, you kind of reminded me of this memory where um, when I was in school back in India, I was in the eighth grade and um one of my English teachers, um, we had actually an assignment and she played Where is the Love by Black Eyed Peas, that song. And she turned out, I mean, she turned us listening into that song into like writing a whole paper on it, but, you know, in an English language class and like, how do you use like rhetoric writing and how do you talk about like your, your feelings and emotions and things like that. And after hearing you kind of share this right now and me having this memory, what I've actually also been thinking about is I'm a TA for uh, my intercultural awareness development class um, at my university. And I've actually been telling my uh, professor who teaches the class that when we start off the year next uh, in fall semester, I actually want to use our podcast intro song as something in that manner to you know, make make the students listen to it and kind of have a discussion on what comes up, right? Because teaching methods just don't have to be like a presentation or um, students, you know, reading a particular chapter and coming and talking about it. Like teaching methods can also change into bringing a podcast in, bringing music in and having a creative and like met, um, like discussion process and learning through that. Yeah, that's important because I think we all know that everybody doesn't learn the same. So mm -hmm. it's important to be able to have variety in your teaching. Um, so that way you make sure you reach all your students. Um, everyone has an opportunity to learn the way that they're best able to. Um, so, yeah, I do think that for some people, music is a great way of finding out information. Um, and so, you know, they're, you know, everybody's not able to to message well in music. Um, so there's no question that there's plenty of music that may or may not uh, do anything for, you know, as far as a message is concerned. But some of the really good artists, they're really able to do that. And the Black Eyed Peas are one of them. They're very good. Um, so absolutely. Yeah. Is that is that how you're making good necessary trouble, Dwayne, is through your music? Um, I do it through a lot of ways. Uh, music is one of them. Um, I'm very into uh, sort of mentorship throughout my, my, uh, my uh, professional career. Um, so I do a lot of teaching um, at my hospital, a lot of mentorship. Uh, we do a lot of training. So I do a lot of that as well. Um, and then, uh, really just, you know, trying to be a great friend and family.
family member and um, you know representative of the various parts of your life. Um, they really allow you to do some of that um, sort of that good trouble. Yeah, um, I like I like how you um, you definitely are all of those. I've witnessed you. Um, you know, mentor me and be a good friend and just also witnessed you do that in like different spaces in your career. And something that I've always been very inspired and have sought inspiration in my life also is just how passionate and dedicated you are in the things that you do. So thank you for everything that you do. And I I, I know I'm going to be switching gears back a little bit, but I also like how you, you know, most most of us are I mean, we are in the space of psychology, the three of us, and some of us are clinicians and teaching and things like that. And you also made me think about how, you know, many of the young children that I work with, or even teenagers or young adults, like at a university center or at a school, especially children from, I mean, human beings from minoritized communities, often they'll bring in music they're listening to, you know, in in, in the session. So for instance, um, if they're being bullied by like, you know, their height or um, just by the way they look or things like that, they actually seek healing from the music that they listen to. And they bring that into session and use that as a way to kind of become stronger or like, you know, things like that. Yeah. It's always important to ask them what they're listening to. It kind of gives you some insight. Um, and it's a great place to start um, a connection a lot of times is, is, you know, hey, you know, what are you listening to? You know, who's your favorite artist? And, you know, and maybe you guys have some sort of common ground there. Um, it's a great way to try to to build a connection, especially at the beginning. Um, music always tends to bring people together. You know, how many people do you meet, you know, in a bar or, or a, a concert or whatever you're all there for the same reason um and a lot of times it has to do with the music you know that usually is the deciding factor of which location you go to which concert you go to and so you already have something in common so it's a great starting place um you know just for a conversation and connectivity yeah so we kind of want to understand what do you think are the steps we need to see in the field or just in our community to see more cross-racial ethnic solidarity to be better accomplices in this world? Um, I would, so I guess to start um, from sort of a clinician space, um, you know, as somebody who was going through a program, I think one of the things both you and I notice is that the the method in which we teach folks um, and the examples that we're able to provide, they're very dated. I think a lot of times um, we really, I think the field could, could benefit from sort of updated materials. Um, I think the, the teachings, they, they go, they, they last the test of time, but I think the, materials and the relevance of some of the materials 
and sort of the the look and the presentation of them, they could they they could definitely use a makeover. And I think that would be a great place to start um, with, you know, all of the students, the new students coming in, if they're able to see things that are very much um, uh, relatable. Um, it's really hard to relate to some of the older videos with the the clothing and the um and the and the norms that were back then they they've, they've changed a lot and so having some of that updated content will definitely give people a better um understanding of the type of clientele that they may experience uh today and so i think that's a good place to start and then um and then really trying to to be purposeful about understanding the population which you serve um i think not just in psychology but really in most professions people learn something and they perform a job a certain way um irrespective to you know a lot of the other factors that that you should consider and you know if you go in to a, a session and you say well you know I'm a um, behavioral therapist and, you know, I do it this way. You know, you don't really serve the patient um, by not understanding their culture and where they come from and maybe some of the things that that would trigger them. So, like, you really want to make sure that you understand your population just as well as you understand the tools that you're going to use to serve the population. So um, I do think having education around the actual culture really is important. And I don't think enough of that is done um, in the space either. Yeah. I like, I like how you mentioned with, you know, the school and um, cause, cause something I would always tell Dwayne, cause I was like the only South Asian in my class in that diversity class. And something that I noticed is, was we're learning about every different, like minoritized, ethnic background out there but there was nothing on South Asian mental health even though we were like residing in the Bay Area and to me that was like why 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 does that exist right and I think you know with your um with your second point I don't know how you both feel about this and I would like your opinion on it but something that I've I've noticed especially in, in in school and in these psychology spaces even on like the broader associations is people using the word cultural competency mm-hmm. and I understand initially why that was used but you know the older I've gotten and the more like diversity work that I'm doing sometimes you're not even competent in your own culture and you know to, to use that word saying oh you need to be culturally competent in XYZ culture, I I read this article um, by someone who had, you know, uh, advertised, I mean, sorry, shared it on the DOSA listserv in the Asian American Psychological Association. And um, the author spoke about how, yeah, I'm actually going to link that article also in our episode links, but the, the author spoke about how, you know, in her teaching method, she's used a she's moved away from using the word cultural competency and rather uses cultural attunement. Yeah, I think cultural competency 
Well, you know, competency in itself is kind of a weird word because like, you know, in the in professional sense, you know, competency has ranges. You know, it's not like yes, it's not a yes or no thing. It's not like you're competent or you're not competent. There's levels to competency. And and I think even within your culture, you know, competency is based on your experience. You know, you could grow up really rich and have no kind of, you know, not be in touch with anybody who's poor in your same culture um, and have no idea of kind of what they've gone through. So like cultural competency, I think is really more so about understanding um, the experiences, you know, throughout your culture, um, you know, in all ranges, all, you know, social economic, you know, uh, situations, like really trying to understand that kind of where it came from and being able to, to move regardless of who comes into the room, um, into their shoes in a way to where you can relate. And I don't think people spend enough time doing that. It's really hard to, because it's, it takes a lot of work to do that. Like it's no no question. Like for you to understand the African American culture, like you really had to to go through some things. Um, you had to talk to some people. You have to have some friends. Like you have to have some sort of 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 way um, to get that information. And so you're not just going to get it in an office. You got to go out and, and seek it. Like so, you know. I think the some of the best therapists they do that. They get themselves involved in the populations they serve and it provides them sort of an extra uh um sense, like an extra uh tool and an ability to touch, you know, them in ways that, you know, the school just can't teach you. Yeah, I I completely agree that cultural competency is definitely hard work and even if you you know a person knows a lot about a particular culture let's say for a particular race or ethnicity right even within that particular race or ethnicity there are variations that one person cannot possibly know everything in their lifetime because there's a lot of intersecting issues there too like gender sexual orientation socioeconomic status there's so many that um, you're right. It is. It's almost like it's this goal that you want to achieve, but it's almost like you're setting yourself up for failure that you cannot achieve. Yeah, I actually had a friend who was moving here from Australia, and she wanted to start a business. And part of it, um, when you come from another country, a lot of times, if you just take, you know. Um, your view right as an american mm -hmm. and you say well i'm going to go to india or i'm going to go you know to ecuador you instantly put all of those people in like one really big box um and you know if you've never been to america you you don't understand how large america is and culturally how large america is like we're not the same you know, from north, south, east to west, like at all. So like even understanding geographically, you know, your cultures, like there's a lot of work to be done, you know, 
in cultural competency. And so, yeah, it is, it's definitely not something that's easy to do uh, and requires constant, um, you, know, you know, updating. So, so is that kind of what you told your friend who is moving? Like about yeah. I had to explain to her, like, listen, this isn't this it doesn't work the way you conceptually thought it was gonna work. And you know, and you really need as much information as you can, especially starting a business. Uh, mm-hmm. because you'll fail really quickly by not doing your homework. And so um I told her she really needed to take the time to come here first. Mm-hmm understand you know where you're moving to the market like you know how business works here um yeah very much set up different being capitalist is very different um than sort of their way in australia where you know they sort of have this industry uh set up with jobs and things and it's regulated by the government and that kind of thing yeah um yeah I'm, i'm i'm hoping that you know, the field and the community, because language is so important, right? Like we've spoken about how language is not just important in the way you communicate with the ways your identities intersect and the different jobs you hold and your role in the society, but also like how you use that through your music. And I'm hoping that we move away from saying cultural competency and you know, use terms like cultural sensitivity or cultural like humility or even cultural attunement, because at the end of the day, even someone from that own culture is not like you might have some understanding, but it's it's wrong to say that you're competent in all these other things. Yeah, I like to just reset myself and 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 act as if I don't know anything, you know, yeah. because ultimately you know, you go in there, my job is to listen and understand you and what you've brought into the room and provide you tools to deal with whatever it is you're going through. So I don't even know that it's as important, um, you know, to term it as it is to do the work and do the best of your ability to understand whatever that is. Um, I think it's, it's, it's important. Wise words, Dwayne. Yeah, I, I like how you said that because, you know, my spiritual teacher often also tells me that you, anyone who says that they know everything is like, you don't know everything and you always need to be open to learn and open to hear someone else and hear their experiences. And I like how you answered that, you know, to be better accomplices, it's also important to con- like co- constantly educate yourself, right? And that's just not getting a degree because like sometimes that just you don't even get the full. It doesn't do justice, but there's that continued education in working with the population you want, or attending conferences, or reading, or things like that. So we do have one more question left for you, okay? And in thinking about all the life experiences that you've had so far, what would you have told your younger self? What words of wisdom would you like to share, you know, with the younger generation or just anyone listening to our podcast and something you would wish you told yourself at different stages in your life when you were younger? I think I would, I would tell myself, um, 
you know, you really have to, you have to strive for happiness, you know, and, and, and a lot of times you may not know exactly what it is you want to do, but you usually know what makes you feel good, um, what makes you happy. And sometimes that might be starting a business and sometimes that might be going to college. Uh, sometimes that's just gaining a, a better social circle. Um, you know, you hang out with people who bring you down, like that doesn't help you. So I really think that, um, you know, happiness should be what you're, you're striving to do. And that can move you in a lot of directions. And so, but if you're always looking for that, I think you'll tend to make better decisions. Um, you know, so long as, you know, the things that make you happy are, you know, not harmful to your you as a person or your body um i think you'll always tend to do the things and you'll have no regrets uh, you know when i do music um it makes me happy um you know so when i bought a house i said well i have to have a place for my studio you know i don't care how much uh you know space it has but it has to have, have a place for my studio it makes me happy so so I did that. And, um, you know, and I go back to school to learn um, because I'm very interested in 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 growing uh, as a person. So I am in college all the time. Um, so, you know, it makes me happy to, to, to have that knowledge. So, like, I really think people should do that. Uh, I travel all the time. Um, I get out of here probably at least once or, you know, uh, or twice every other month. And that makes me happy. It resets me. So like you just really have to do those things that 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 you enjoy and you won't regret a whole lot of anything. Yeah, I think happy. I mean, happiness is also a state of being right. It 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 comes and it goes. And I think what you're speaking to is, you know, at the end of the day, we're mortal beings, we're human beings, and we don't know how much time we actually have on this planet. Anything can happen. So I guess what you're also saying is life is too short and strive to be happy, whether that's something big or that's something small, but it's going to have its ups and downs, but you need to find what brings you joy through, through that journey. Yeah, there's no reason in staying in misery. Um, you don't like it, just change it. You know, you want to be something, just just do it. You know, just go out and 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 do the things that make you happy, and you will feel good about what you've done. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for um, you know, everything that you've done, just for the community and everything that you've done for us with this podcast. We are so grateful for you, and just thank you for being here today too, and sharing more of your wisdom with us. Yes, thank you, Dwayne. Thank you so much. Uh, truly appreciate you. All right. Thank you, Dr. Uh, Donna. Thank you, Pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. For more information about today's guests and their social media links, you can click on the description links of the episode. Pooja Mami Donna and Dr. Donna Demanarik host this podcast. Our podcast team includes our podcast interns, Alexis Rios from the University of North Texas in Denton, Texas, and Petra 
Zadroga from Wheaton College in Norton, Massachusetts. We also want to acknowledge our production team, David DeVito and Rachel Sheffer. If you would like to know more about us or to watch video clips of this interview, then follow us on Instagram at APADiv45 underscore Presidential Task Force, on TikTok and X at APADiv45 underscore Coakley, or on YouTube and Facebook at Dr. Kevin Coakley's APA Division 45 Presidential Task Force. Strength and solidarity. The strength and solidarity.